Yo guys, we got some giant news for you. We are coming out with a book, The Real Answer to Addiction. Uh, That's really what this whole podcast is leading up to, and it comes out on October 2nd. So be looking for it. Um, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of announcements on here or on Instagram. And if you want to follow us, it's Chris Dew Ministries. Um, And yeah, it's going to be so awesome. We love you guys. You're listening to The Real Answer to Addiction podcast. This resource exists to give real hope and practical help in finding forever freedom from addiction. We hope you enjoy. We're sitting here uh, with a good friend of mine, um, and I want you to jump right into your story, Brett. So let's hear how come uh, that you're on a podcast right now uh, that is aimed at addiction. Like, like, man, why are you on a podcast like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, I'll go ahead and just uh, start with my story. Uh, it really started um, freshman freshman year of high school is where I'm going to jump in. Um, my uh, my mom and my stepdad they got they got divorced that year, so I had a lot of freedom. Um, I had a I didn't have very many boundaries or rules I had to follow, um, and I don't want to like blame them for that at all. You know, we uh, we don't always choose our circumstances, but we 100 percent um, choose how we respond to those circumstances. So you know, I'll take all ownership That's over good, that. Bro. Um, Man, uh, in ninth grade, I can just remember uh, it started in study hall, really, man. Um, I remember all these guys just talking about all the fun they were having. And honestly, I felt left out. You know, I was, I'm, a, I'm a ninth grader. I want to be a part of what's going on. Like, what, what, what fun are y'all having? And I remember, man, I would always just say these the snide comments like, sweet invite, bro. Sweet invite, you know, like kind of like, like I'm salty. Like, I want you to invite me. Uh, so one day they finally invited me. Um, it was before the the Christmas parade, actually, the, the town I live in. Oh, the uh, Christmas parade, man, where bro. dreams come true. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. So uh, they invited me over to this house, right? And uh, I, I go to the back porch and I, I, see, uh, I see this bucket with a bottle. And I'm like, what, what the heck is going on here? And, uh, you know, they're, t- they're taking gravity bongs, they're smoking weed. I had no clue what that was at the time. Uh, but everyone else is doing it. I'm like, man, I finally got oh, gravity, bro. I haven't thought about <laughs> gravity bongs in ten years. I don't think, bro. That's hilarious, <laughs> bro. It was wild. Like I had no clue. I was like this this innocent kid, but I was like, man, you know, I've been begging for this invite. Like I'm gonna do it, right? I want to keep being invited. I feel like too, man, I feel like gravity bongs, it's always the worst weed. You know what I mean? Like it's never good weed in gravity bongs. It's always like some swaggy mess with yep. seeds and stems yep, yep, in yep. it at some <laughs> high school party, you know? Bro, yeah. So I, I did that. Yeah, I got super high. Went to the Christmas parade. Don't even remember the parade. Um, but really that that was kind of the start of it at all. Um, yeah. they, they kept inviting me. It turned into, you know, getting high every couple weeks. Um but after a while, it turned into getting high before school every day um, during lunch break, going out to the school parking lot, smoking weed, um, you know, it turned into to getting high before baseball, after baseball. Uh, it, and then it, it went in, it went into, you know, getting high before school. But then, you know, second period, once the high wears off, I'm popping Adderall, I'm popping painkillers. I'm doing something just to make it through the rest of the day, man. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I didn't really have any structure either. So, you know, I, I'd stay out on school nights till 2 a.m. getting high with my friends. And I would do it all again every single day. Um, I'll jump uh, fast forward to when I was 16. I actually, uh, I got arrested for my first time. Um, notice I said the first time. 
me and a, me and a few friends we went up to a concert up in Fredericksburg, Virginia. We were driving back uh, late at night. We were, we were we were smoking a blunt, riding back, uh, hot boxing, of course. Um, not the smartest idea. Uh, we got pulled over for speeding, and uh, the cop pulls us over. He tells us like, "Hey, if one of you doesn't um, own up to." the marijuana because obviously you know he smells it he finds it we try to hide it but that didn't work um if if one of you doesn't own up to it i'm charging all of you so i mean i'm 16 years old i'm like crap two of the guys in the car are 18 the other guy he's already got charges so i'm like i'm gonna go ahead and take one for the team you know i don't have any charges i'm probably gonna get charged anyways let me help out these other guys i'm gonna try to be a good friend um and that was my process uh, uh and i'll be honest i don't have too many memories from high school literally because i was high every single yeah. day like yeah, i had to get that i spent so much time this past week just trying to trying to write down memories uh, you know trying to really just rack my brain um you know i can remember uh, being so desperate for money and drugs that uh you know i'm ashamed to say this but it's part of my story i would literally steal jewelry from my grandma like old jewelry that she didn't wear yeah. that i knew that she wouldn't miss i would take it to pawn shops to get twenty dollars for weed and pills yeah um, man i'm there dude i can remember i can remember taking shrooms the night before a junior prom um and having a, a terrible trip having a bad trip thinking uh, I was gonna, bro thinking i was gonna die. i was i was laying on my buddy's couch and i literally thought if i moved from the couch if i touched the floor i was gonna die like it was literally like the floor is lava like it was awful <laughs> um I can remember getting money for Christmas, right? Teenagers love getting money for Christmas. That's all I ever asked for. And me and my friends, we'd meet up, you know, Christmas Eve. We put all our money together um, so that we could literally make a white Christmas happen. We'd buy a bunch of cocaine yep. and celebrate. Yep, I'm there, bro. You know, and uh, man, I can also remember the night before I met my biological father, him and my mom divorced when I was three years old. Um, that like one of the biggest moments of my life, right? I can remember I stayed up all night snorting lines of cocaine and then mm -hmm. driving down to North Carolina with my mom to meet him. Um, you know, one of the biggest moments of my life. And instead of like being prepped for it, being, being excited, being happy, I'm just, I'm spending all night snorting lines of cocaine and getting high um, with my friends. Wow. Um, but, uh, my worst memory from high school really comes from, uh, the spring of my senior year. I was killing it in baseball. I know uh, I've talked to you before how I got a background in baseball. Four games left in the season. I'm slated to be All-State. I'm talking to all these colleges, being recruited by them. Like, life is good, right? Um, I can remember after a game, I, I went and showered, and then I bought – I went out and bought a pound of weed, right? I was going to sell it, and then I was going to smoke for free, right? I, I, was, I was trying to live the dream right there. You know, I didn't want to spend money, um, so I, I would smoke off the profit. Uh, I thought I was brilliant, but in that process, I also, I took a ton of Klonopins. Mm. Um, it's something that I had done before, you know, I'd messed around with Xanax before. Um, I thought I took the equivalent of two Xanax bars, which I had done in the past, which is still a lot, but, um, yep. I actually, I did the, the conversion wrong and I ended up taking four Xanax bars, yeah, yeah, equivalent yeah. Of four wow. Xanax bars. So, um, man, I went and smoked a bunch of weed. I don't remember this night at all. This is all yeah. like what I've I've been told. I mean, um, the mind erasers, man. Bro, it's the benzos, bro. They erase. I think it. I think it's literally why a lot of my memory is gone. Yeah, literally no, I'm there, bro. <laughs> um, but I, I went to leave my buddy's house, and uh, instead of taking a right turn off his street, 
I literally pulled up in his neighbor's front yard, passed out behind the wheel. Um, car, car running and everything. Literally, like the worst, ex- uh, one of the worst experiences in my life. I've had a couple, of, but uh, so my mom at the time she worked at City Hall. She knew all the cops. All the cops knew who I was. Small town. Um, they told her that they didn't even recognize me, and they knew who I was. They didn't recognize me, and they thought that I was dead. Um, that's just how jacked up I was. Wow, man. I uh, luckily I was 17, so I got I got booked for uh, possession with intent to sell and also a, a DUID driving under the influence of drugs. Mm. Uh, yeah, as, as a result of that, I was kicked off the baseball team with four games left, no more All-State, uh, no more being recruited by colleges. Uh, my mom didn't let me go to my senior prom, so I've never been to prom. Um, I'm with you, bro. I didn't go to prom either. It's, it's, it's cool. <laughs> All right. I feel a little better now, man. That's something no, I want to think, man. Like, no, I'm with you. I didn't go to prom. And I didn't walk at graduation. Like, I had charges, too, pending at the time. And it was yeah, like, bro. I'm not doing any of that. Bro, I had a, a super hot prom date, though. So it was like, kind of like, it was, it was upsetting, man. <laughs> it was upsetting. Oh, man. Um, you know, uh, I, I wish that I could say I've learned my lesson from that experience, too. But, uh, uh, I ended up going to a small local school here to play baseball, Virginia State. Um, I stayed there for a semester just so I could transfer um, to a bigger school. Um, yeah. I went to I went to Longwood University. It's in Virginia. It's still a small school, but it's a bigger school. Uh, nothing to do there. It's in the middle of nowhere, but party. Probably not the mm. wisest choice for me to go to. Um, once I got there, all I did was party, drinking, drugs, um, sex, all that. I didn't care about school at all. My grades suffered. I ended up not playing baseball because of that. Um, I would black out multiple times a week from alcohol. When I went to class, I was hungover. Uh, when I did my homework, I was drunk or high doing it. Um, well, yeah, that's you know, the life remember, right there, man. Bro. A lot of hangovers. Yeah. How much joy is in that? Bro, that's awful. Awful. I mean, I can remember uh, – my senior thesis, right, like the biggest paper of my college career, how I'm going to graduate, I stayed up all night, snorted a bunch of molly, and, and knocked out my senior thesis in eight hours. Like, I, I obviously did not care. Um, I did the bare minimum just to get by in college, honestly. Um, and I'll fast forward to, uh, to junior year, probably an, uh, the other of my worst nights uh, of my life, man. Uh, I was home for the summer. It was 4th of July weekend. Uh, I blacked out at a friend's house, uh, got super drunk, drank a whole bottle of, uh, what is it, Jack Daniels, Tennessee honey, I think is what it was. Uh, I have a hard time, you know, even tasting honey now because of that night. It was got awful. But uh, I blacked out, decided to drive home, uh, 3 a.m., I think. I ended up hitting a car head on going 55 miles an hour um, on some country back roads. Uh, luckily, I, I don't know if it, was, if it was God or just, I don't know what happened. Um, neither one of us was hurt. Head on 55 wow. miles an hour. Neither one of us was hurt. Um, wow. I blew, a, I blew a .23 on the scene. Um, I couldn't even recite the ABCs. Like I was a mess. Um, uh, I got underage possession alcohol for that, and obviously the DUI. So uh, minimum in Virginia at the time. I don't know if it still is. I had to serve five days in jail um, for that offense as well. Um, 
and bro, that still didn't change my life at all. Like it's still, you know, I, I kept doing me. I kept living for, for pleasure in the world, going for, for drugs, alcohol. Um, you know, I did all the ASAP requirements, but I was still drinking, partying. Um, after that, uh, like I said, I did my senior thesis, like still doing drugs, all this stuff. Uh, literally, I, I would say after, after college is when my life started to change a little bit. Uh, Do you mind if I ask you this, man? Like, why yeah. were you using drugs? I get asked that all the time, right? People, like parents of addicts especially, will be like, hey, like, why? Like, why did you do that? Like, there was all these tangible right. consequences that were happening, right? So you're getting arrested, man. You're getting, you know, kicked off the baseball team. Whole life is being thrown away, right? There's these practical changes, but why did you keep using drugs? What was the intent of like yeah at a party and get high yeah i think it was uh yeah i look back now it's just trying to fill that void um fill a void like i i grew up really without a father in my life without someone encouraging me telling me they loved me um so it, it definitely started with seeking approval from friends uh, but then i just uh really going after that pleasure the the euphoria the, the drugs and alcohol brought the pleasure that, that came mm. from all that it, it was hard to get away from honestly yeah man yeah. Um, so yeah, after after college, uh, I decided to to chase after my baseball dream a little bit. Uh, super low level minor league. I'm talking like hundred dollar a week paychecks. Nothing glamorous <laughs> at all, bro. But uh, I was away from the real world, right? I was still playing baseball, I was still drinking a lot. You know, I was, I was living life for me, doing my own thing. Uh, so I quit doing the drugs, uh, and I did that until I was about 24 years old. Uh, but after that, you know, I, I come back home and I had to face the realization like, you know, right, I'm, I'm 24, I'm about to be 25. I got no money. I got student loans. I got all this. I got all that. Uh, I see all my friends getting married, having great jobs, having houses. And I'm like, yo, I'm about to be making $8 an hour. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So I really started spiraling into, into anxiety and depression of, of, over yeah. that, man. Um, uh, and I try to do what, what a lot of people try to do when they don't know what to do, how to get money. And I went and I tried to join the army, right? I was like, all right, mm -hmm. cool. It's a stable paycheck. They're always going to need soldiers. So let's do it. Um, but I had an anxiety disorder that had been diagnosed uh, and some pretty bad knees. So I wasn't able to join the military. So that just made me fall into depression, anxiety more. Uh, I started self-medicating with alcohol. Uh, again, I wasn't using drugs anymore at the time, but I was getting... I was drinking every day mm. before work, during work to make it through the day. After work, anytime I felt a panic attack coming on, I just rolled around with a bottle of vodka in mm. my center console of my truck. Uh, again, I hadn't learned my lesson from the DUI or anything like that. Um, uh, my life was a wreck. <laughs> uh, and I remember I, I saw some, uh, some friends posting about a church um meeting here locally and i was like bro that might be what i'm missing i remember going to church and uh, i enjoyed it you know the couple times i went in high school um, maybe i should check it out i went i loved it went for nine months had no community though never connected with anyone my life was still a wreck it wasn't getting better just because i was going to church or anything like that yeah. um, until one day they started promoting small groups and like how community is really where life change happens and that was kind of like my aha moment, you know, at the time I had no real friends. All of my past friends were either in jail. They were still dealing with the addiction. They had moved away. Right there. I had no, no positive influences in my life. 
Um, so, you know, I'll wrap up just by saying, like, I, I reached out, I got connected to a young adults group, right? And uh, at the time, I was seeking, seeking professional counseling. Um, and uh, I went and saw my counselor. Then it was time to go to this young adults meeting, right? I pull up in front of the house 30 minutes early, that awkward time where it's like, all right, cool. If I go in right now, that's super weird. I don't know these people. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I can leave right now and no one's going to even know I was there, right? So, you know, I'm wrestling with that. I start just crying out to God. I'm sitting here. I'm chugging a bottle of vodka to calm my nerves, right? Because that's how I would self-medicate. Yeah. Um, and I remember crying out to God. That's In that moment, I surrendered my life to God. I surrendered everything to God. And I was like, God, if you help us take this feeling of anxiety, depression, helplessness away, um, the self-medicating with the alcohol, the, the drugs, everything in my life, just free me from all of this. Yeah, I will come serve on. you for the rest of my life, man. And it's just, it's a beautiful picture, right? Picture this, you got a, a 25-year-old guy sitting in his truck in front of a pastor's house at 5.30 in the afternoon, clutching a bottle of vodka, crying his eyes out, right? And that's such a beautiful Yeah, picture. bro. Bro, if someone would have walked by, they would have been like, what is wrong with him, right? It's perfect, bro. But uh, man, I, I went to that small group. I hated it at first. I didn't want to talk to anyone, but I kept going. I had to make that choice daily, weekly to, to, to try to get better, to make a change in my life. And man, that's ultimately... Uh, four and a half years ago where my life started changing and actually come on better, bro. man so i know that's, that's kind of like a long story but it's, it's just, wild bro what a wild story man um i think with our stories there's a lot of like it's a lot of the uh similarities between our story man like in high school and stuff our lifestyles man i can absolutely relate and then uh yeah, man, it's just what a it's just crazy, bro. Absolutely crazy. Okay, so you're um, clean at that point, right? You start going to small group and stuff. So practically, um, how did you change things, man? Did you like switch up friendships? Did you start doing spiritual disciplines? Like, what were the practical changes uh, that you saw happening? Yeah, so a couple of those, I definitely, um, I had to change my friendships, right? I had to replace those toxic friendships um, with, with people that were like-minded, that wanted to encourage me, that were, were chasing after a life of purpose, not just pleasure. Uh, you Ooh. know, misery. misery Bro, say it again. Please say it again. <laughs> I had to surround myself with people chasing after a life of purpose, not pleasure. Mm. Uh, Please man. write that down and actually <laughs> apply that if you're listening. You know, uh, misery loves company, right? So if you're if you're surrounding yourself with people, um, you know that are that aren't chasing purpose, that are you know just living for themselves, living for this world, right? You're you're gonna be you're gonna be who your friends are, right? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You're, you're gonna be a reflection of that. Um, so I definitely had to replace that, and then man, I just had to start making practical changes with habits, right? And, uh, you know, you can't just get rid of a bad habit, right? You have to replace a bad habit with a good habit. Um, so man, I started working out, uh, to relieve stress, anxiety, all that, instead of self-medicating with alcohol, I would start self-medicating with exercise, right? Na natural, mm. um, natural feelings of high. And then, uh, man, just, uh, I know I would, uh, start eating better as well. I made sure I was drinking plenty of water. Um, you know, a practical tip, if you're not drinking a lot of water, you're going to feel fatigued. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be depressed. You're not going to want to get stuff done when you don't get stuff done. And that just weighs on you. You start getting de 
depressed, you feel like you're not doing enough with your life. So that can always spiral right there. So drinking drinking a lot of water is super practical. Oh, but this to me, is that makes a huge difference. This is helpful stuff, man. Oftentimes I ask that question on here, and oftentimes it's spiritual responses right off the bat. Right? It's well, I started reading my Bible and 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 all these things. But you literally just said, switch my friendships, exercised, eating healthy and drinking water and even sleep probably falls in there too, right? Like all these practical changes, man. And I think that's really, really helpful and really, really cool that there are practical change we can make with our physical body, right? Because we're holistic beings, right? We're not just like spirits in a body, uh, but rather we are people, right? That has a soul, (laughs) has a body, has a mind, has all these things, right? So that's that's really, really crazy how the practical changes like that actually will help our spiritual lives as well. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, I think another practical thing too, like I I wanted to use practical stuff too, because I know there's going to be people listening to this that may not be in church. They might not understand all that stuff. So I want to give them practical stuff. Yeah, come on, bro. Come on, do it. Uh, Man, I had to change my mindset. You got to change the mindset. The mindset is key. Uh, I knew it would be a process, right? It wouldn't be a snap of the fingers and my life would be better. It's going to be a, a, a process of ups and downs. I knew it would be tough, but you got to make that choice daily to get better, right? You have to wake up daily and be like, all right, I'm going to win today. I'm going to take it a day at a time and I'm going to get better. And I knew I couldn't do it alone, right? I, I Instead of when I was in addiction and drugs, alcohol, all that, I pushed away my family, right? I pushed them away so much, even though they were always there for me, caring for me, paying um, fines and stuff, like when they definitely didn't have to, right? Showing that love for me. So I definitely had to make that choice to, to surround myself with their love, to listen to them, take their advice. And, and I sought out professional help too. Like I said, I, I was seeing a counselor, a safe spot where I could talk about all the things going on in my life and where I could be vulnerable. Um, and as a man, it, it's hard to be vulnerable, right? We, we want to put on that front, like we're super strong. We can make it through anything, but it's good to have a safe place where you can, you know, you can even cry about stuff that's going on in your life. So yeah, dude, uh, I'm absolutely the there. I'm absolutely there. I think counseling is, is a huge, huge benefit, man. I have a counselor uh, that I go to every now and then. And man, it's, it's been a very, very sweet spot uh, to be able to go. Cause I've got friends and stuff who I explain almost everything to right. It just, here's all the things that are going in my life. Uh, but there are times where that you need a, you know, higher level, you know, a just viewpoint on it as well. And I, I love that. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. And I think it's good too, to have someone that's not like up close in your life too. They're, they're at a distance so yes. they can see the whole picture and not be clouded um, or biased about what's going on in your life. They can just be real with you and let you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Do I mind if I ask, like, how's the anxiety now? All right. So this is years <laughs> in, man. How is that? Has that gotten a lot better? Has it uh, just kind of been a thing you struggle with still? Yeah. I mean, I'd be lying if I said uh, I didn't have some rough days sometimes or some rough patches. I mean, I can even remember a week ago I had, I had a panic attack and I haven't had one in a while. It's just, it, it, it is what it is. You know, it's something that I, I deal with. Um, I definitely, um, I practice a lot of meditation now to, to really just get my mind in a, a good spot and relax my body. So, okay. Explain um, that. What is meditation, bro? Cause we hear that language sometimes. And sometimes we think it's like hyper spiritual Hindu like deal. So like, what is like, what is meditation? Yeah. I mean, for me, it, it can look, a, it can look a different, a few different ways. You know, I'll, I'll, I can just like 
sit there. I can cut off any TV, any music, just sit in silence and try to clear my mind. Because when you're going through that panic attack or you're anxious, you're, your mind is running a million miles per hour, right? So it's just trying to calm it down. It's, it's focusing on your breathing, right? Uh, breathing in, hold it for a couple seconds, release. Uh, not like saw or any professional stuff like that. But, you know, it's just uh, clearing your mind, relaxing. And I'll even go outside. I'll sit on my back porch and just, you know, listen to nature. To me, that is relaxing. It's calming. Yeah, bro, so it's, come on. Pr- practically, it's putting yourself in an environment where you know you can relax, you can calm down, you can focus on your breathing, and you can just release things off your mind. I love it. That, man, that's so good. Let's switch into kind of the, we've hit that obviously, but like spiritual flows and so spiritual disciplines, like how does that look like in your life, uh, the rhythms and kind of your rule of life? Um, and like how has that helped uh, just your life? Yeah, for sure. So I, uh, I start every day. Um, I got to have my coffee, but I do start it with, uh, with prayer and time in God's word. And I try not to put like a time limit on that. You know, I try to, uh, I try to allow myself enough time to where I can sit there. I can study. I feel like I'm getting something from it to where I can apply it to my life. And, um, you know, you can do that any time of the day for me. I like doing it in the morning though, because I just feel like it starts the day off on our, on the right foot, right? You're making progress. You got positive vibes going. Um, and then, you know, obviously uh, I, I do my best to uh, attend church every single week, uh, being on staff at a church, you know, that's part of the requirement. But even when I wasn't on staff, you know, going to church, uh, being surrounded in community, worshiping, uh, you know, singing worship songs when you don't feel like worshiping is powerful because there's, truth, there's truth in those Ooh. lyrics, right? So yep. you're speaking that truth over your life and you don't even know it or when you feel like it. So that's, that's super powerful. And then I can tell you... Um, yeah, like I said earlier, the small group thing is what changed my life. And it's still, I would say it's still the, the, the strongest foundation of my life right now. Uh, every Saturday, I go to a men's group, which is incredible. I used to do the young adults thing, but I turned 30 in like a month or so. Yeah, they so kicked you out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, bro, they didn't they kick you out. They kicked you out. They said, bro, I see gray hairs in there. Uh, you're out, bro. Oh, man, come on, but that's, uh, I started going to the men's group and it's super cool because it's a place where I can open up. I can be vulnerable. Um, you know, there's people in there that's, that are my age that are about 30, but then there's people that are 40, 50, 60. So it's super cool just to, to, to commune with people of all ages, to find mentors in that group as well that can help me um, through life. And, you know, it, it's just super powerful to have that community and be able to talk about what's going on in my life. So that's really, uh, I'd say those are a bunch of the, uh, the spiritual rhythms of my life. I, you know, I try to pray and read the word every day, church every week. Um, and then the, the men's group, the community aspect. Is Come huge. on, bro. Come on. That's, that's so crucial, man. Um, I heard you say that you're in full-time ministry and have been for a little while, right? So man, how did that work? Like, how did you end up in ministry? Man? I think a lot of people that have a past like ours, like end up in ministry for some reason. It's not everyone, obviously, but there are a lot of people that are like all or nothing uh, types. And they're like, man, if I'm all in for Jesus now and they end up on staff at a church, man. So how did that process happen? Bro, I never thought I would wind up on staff at a church or even like thought I would enjoy it. But uh, so that, that, that small group that I was a part of, that young adults group, um, that I was attending when I was 25. Um, a lot of the people in there were youth leaders at the time, right? And um, 
I say it all the time. They tricked me into checking out the youth <laughs> ministry. Like they, they literally tricked me. They were like, Hey, we like hanging out with you. Uh, we serve in youth. You should come just check it out next week. And, uh, you know, oh, they definitely them. tricked you, bro. Yeah, they bro. definitely tricked you. They had a volunteer I mean, push the week before. And yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm a youth pastor now. I know how it is now, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, cool. You know, I'll go check it out. But man, I, um, I just fell in love with it. And I think for me, you know, not having a ministry background, no seminary education, nothing like that. Um, I really found the, the passion and, and success and being able to connect with people through our past, right? There's a lot of people out there like you and me that have a past, a, a past that we're not proud of, a messy past, but we can use that past to help people going through those situations right now. We can encourage them. We can give them advice. We can get, we can love them through that situation. Yeah, and I come think on. That's where the true power is. And that's where, you know, it took me 25 plus years to find my purpose, but that is my purpose is loving and helping people um, practically and with the love of Jesus. So, yeah. Yeah. That's all, man. How does uh, purpose play into like clean living and stuff like that? Because you've been clean ever since that day. Like, how has having a purpose? How has that impacted uh, just kind of living in freedom from drugs? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, as humans, I, I really believe we're all created uh, with, the, with the, the passion to make a difference on this earth, right? Whatever that is, we all want to make a difference. We want to be remembered. We want to have a legacy. And for me, man, it's, it's motivation. It's motivation. I want to make a difference on this earth while I'm here, right? We're only here for a short amount of time. I want to make as big a difference as possible. I want to help see as many people um, find the love of Jesus as possible. I want to help people, as many people as possible, be set free from addiction, from bondage, whatever is going on. That's what I'm looking to do. So it's, just, it's motivation, honestly. Uh, again, it's, it's almost practical. But uh, I know, you know, if I fall back into the drugs and alcohol, that is going to hinder me. It's going to get in the way of me fulfilling what I'm motivated to do, what I am called to do. Mm, that's so good. How do you handle temptations? Because you referenced uh, that you don't want to go back into drugs and alcohol, but even with, oh, and this is going to get a, a little personal, right? Even with purity oh. stuff, man, because you're not married, right? You're a single man operating in his calling. Um, and I'll put a picture of you on the Instagram. So if there's any single ladies out there, <laughs> you know what I mean? but, <laughs> just kidding. My guy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, how do you battle those temptations of, you know, to go back in with alcohol and drugs, even pornography and stuff like that, man? Like, how does that look? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it does get easier with time, uh, but I definitely do still have struggles. You know, we're humans. We, we have temptations. It is what it is. There's temptation all around us in this world right now. Social media, um, movies, you know, Netflix, you know, you got all this stuff out here where it's just like drugs are cool. Sex is cool. All that. Um, but man, the foundation, I think really, uh, one is obviously, uh, in God's word, that's, that's strong foundation for me reading the truth in there. Um, I think you referenced it earlier, you know, our bodies are a temple uh, and I'm doing my best to honor God with my body, with my soul, with my mind um, to glorify him. And then, man, practically when I'm facing temptations, I reach out to people. I have some friends, uh, you know, that are in the men's group that are that are mentors um, that, that are in ministry in different places. 
And I'll be like, yo, I'm, I'm struggling with this right now. Um, I need you to kick me in the butt right now and tell me that that is going to be stupid. Like help <laughs> yes. me out. Yeah. And it works, man. But it takes, it takes making that choice, right? Again, you got to make that choice to reach out to them because they're not going to know that you're struggling with it unless you reach out to them and they can't help you unless they know. It's so dope, bro. That's so, so helpful and so clear. Um, Okay, a few more questions. One is uh, the name of this podcast is uh, The Real Answer to Addiction, right? And obviously it's a reference uh, to Jesus, man. So how does that land with you? Like how is Jesus uh, the real answer to addiction uh, that you see? Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I was doing the the drugs, alcohol, living for this world, um, that's, that's what I was doing. I was living for this world. I was trying to fill that void that was left in my soul and my heart um, that I now know only Jesus could fill that void, right? I, I, I had no purpose. I had no sense of meaning. I had no, no real joy, no happiness. I had temporary, uh, temporary enjoyment. You know, sin is fun for a season. Um, but man, the love of Jesus, the joy that comes from Jesus, that's eternal. And that, that's what it is for me, man, is... Um, you know, Jesus filled that void in my heart and my soul that I tried to fill on my own for 25 years. And uh, it's just incredible that, you know, Jesus is the real answer. <laughs> come on, come on, man. That's so good. And let's close with this, man. If there's a person listening right now that's in addiction and uh, that they're hearing all this stuff about, okay, rhythms and spiritual disciplines and eating healthy and all that, but they're like, man, I can't even, like I'm smoking crack right now. Or like I, I literally cannot like quit doing drugs. How would you encourage them? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I'd encourage them with this, man. Just, it starts by taking one step, one small step. Uh, I'm sure they've probably heard it before. Uh, I know that's preached a lot of different programs, but I said it earlier, you have to make a step. You have to have that mindset. You have to make that conscious decision to take a step. Nothing is going to change until something changes, right? You have to make that change. Um, you know, uh, small, small, consistent changes are going to turn into big changes over time. Um, I'll make a quick plug for a book I read a few weeks ago. It's called Atomic Habits. Yeah. Um, bro, they use the illustration, uh, you know, if a, if a plane is flying from LA to New York, right? If it's flying cross country, and you just make some minor adjustments to, to the, the flight pattern, instead of landing in New York, you're gonna land in Washington, DC, right? A small minor change at the beginning is gonna turn from you landing in New York to Washington, DC, a totally different location, a totally different place. And that's what you gotta do too if you're, if you're struggling with addiction, right? You have to make a small change so that you can land in a totally different place where you're not in brokenness, you're not in pain, you're not in suffering anymore, but you're landing in a place of freedom, of joy, of purpose, of power. Um, so that's my encouragement is just make that small conscious step one day at a time. And eventually you're gonna look back and see how far you've come, right? Steps turn into miles journeys. And then you can look back and give that same encouragement to someone else. That's it, bro. I love it, bro. Thank you so much for being on, man. It was a great episode and I love you a whole bunch. I love you too, man. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Real Answer to Addiction podcast. We release episodes on the first Thursday of every month. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review if you've enjoyed listening and feel free to share. 
If you're interested in getting in contact with us, feel free to reach out to us at chrisdoministries.com.